Welcome back to Integrity Performance Radio, where we bring integrity back to the fitness industry. I'm Travis Meek. I'm Zeb Love. So this week, we're going to talk about, I want to introduce an article that a friend of mine sent, and I think you read it. Yeah. I've, I've probably read it four times. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. John Russin put out an article called, Why Fitness is Not Essential in America. And how crazy is that to hear? Is, yeah, because he's, yeah. I mean, he is an amazing physiologist, a great mm-hmm. coach. And so based on the title alone, you're like, this guy thinks it's not important? No. no he, it, the whole point of the article, and everyone should go read it, um, it's, it's talking about why fitness, wellness, health is essential, mm-hmm. but how people no longer see it as such because of the people who have been influencing it yeah. incorrectly, mm-hmm. right? And so when he, he starts talking about how cardiovascular disorders and metabolic disorders are killing thousands of people and ruining mm-hmm. quality of life, and health and wellness is about fixing those things mm-hmm. and helping people be more comfortable and perform better and have less knee pain and get away from those metabolic disorders, but what fitness has turned into is just this superficial sexualized aesthetic just aesthetic like aesthetically pleasing individuals like this is the pinnacle of health right this is what you should look like if you're healthy and so we see all of this advertisement for fitness Mm -hmm. and it's like the crop tops and like the pants that make your butt look stand out yeah and and abs like six-pack abs was somehow become synonymous with being healthy Mm -hmm. and so it's being portrayed as something that's absolutely not essential. No. It's being portrayed as just an aesthetic. Yeah. And like, I remember when I got my loan for my house, mm. it, this, it drove me nuts. And I get it. I get why this, my loan officer asked me this. Mm-hmm. But he goes, what do you do? He's got my income statements. Yep. He goes, what do you do? I said, I'm a personal trainer. And he goes, what else do you do? Because like, yeah. in his mind, even mm-hmm. four years ago, he was like, oh, you're just a trainer? Like, what, what do you do professionally? And it's like That's, we as a society mm-hmm. see health and wellness from an aesthetic perspective. And like yeah. how damaging is that for the whole industry? Mm-hmm. How damn – like we got considered non-essential during a health epidemic. That's what I was thinking. There is – there's McDonald's for God's sake stayed open. You could sell cars. Yeah. That was essential. You could do that. And you McDonald's is essential. But but health and wellness was not essential. Yeah. And we're not arguing should gyms have been open. That's yeah, what we're yeah, arguing. Yeah, yeah. But like we have been just – Pushing health and wellness no. as this hyper-sexualized aesthetic. Yeah. And, and like call to action for the trainers who listen to us talk and call mm-hmm. to action to the fitness experts who listen to us talk. Like, Can we please present ourselves as essential? Yeah. Can we please start letting intellect be more important than aesthetic and, yeah. and actually start caring about wellness mm-hmm. and health? Like, I'm sorry, but like... Your selfish aesthetic and all your pictures of yourself online, like that doesn't matter. Yeah. That's only important to yourself. And I think, I think a kind of a nice little example would be uh, like I always go back to when I was in college. Like I learned so much when I was back there. Uh, and not just in terms of book knowledge, but just how to read people and understand when I need to listen to somebody. Sure. That they truly know what they're talking about. Like, and then knowing that the difference between that and this person has no idea what they're talking about. My defensive back coach in college was like, oh, like two, like God knows, he's a little overweight. Okay, De- heavy, heavy defensive guy. backs are typically not overweight, but at the same time, I was like, I know that this man knows what he's talking about. Why would his looks like deter me from understanding that his? What am I going with? His ideas of the technique that we play as t- defensive backs. Like, I need to understand that that is correct. Right. 
Yeah, and he was intelligent. Yes, exactly. He knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, just like, call to action. Like, yeah. If, if we want to be seen as important, start acting important. Mm-hmm. If we want to be seen as professional, present yourself professionally. If we, yeah. want to, if we want health and fitness to be considered essential, start making it essential. essential. Stop yes. making it superficial. Mm-hmm. And so it was a great article. I, I think everyone should read it. Again, I've probably read it about four times. It was fantastic. But it's, it's literally why we're doing what we're doing with Integrity Performance is mm-hmm. bring some integrity back. Bring yeah. bring being essential back to health and wellness, yes. and make it about health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And there's so many trainers, and we were we were just talking about. Say that you want to get into fitness. Say you want to start taking care of yourself. You're probably going to go to a local gym mm-hmm. and find a personal trainer, and I'm going to assume they don't know what they're talking about. And that's the it sucks thing. because yeah. that's that's what the industry's become. Like mm-hmm. everyone's just like, well, I love to work out, so I should be a trainer, and I teach everyone how to work out. Yeah. And what's what are the first exercises those people are going to have you do? God Squatting, yeah. deadlifting, power mm-hmm. cleaning, like all of this really, really high technical stuff. Mm-hmm. And and so we want to almost teach people what what do you do to look for a personal trainer? Mm-hmm. How do you know when someone's good or when someone's not? And and so like if you're walking into a gym. What what's what are you gonna look for in a personal trainer? Like how's that person? What, what are they gonna do? What are you gonna ask? Mm-hmm. Um, what what proof are you gonna look for from this person that they really know what they're talking about? Uh, for me personally, I'm gonna go. I'm the first thing I'm gonna ask is probably gonna be their educational background. Okay, yeah. And I I I hate to say it. I really really hate to say it. But there's a lot of weekend warriors out there. They'll read got whatever book NASM sends to you. They get their certification, and all of a sudden, like, now I'm in charge right. of I'm how people move their bodies. I'm certified. And uh, I talked about this a little bit with you earlier about the Dunning-Kruger effect and just how you feel like you know so much, maybe because you got a certification that not a lot of people do. You don't know shit, son. <laughs> I thought I had – I have two degrees in my personal training certification. I thought I knew everything. And, and the confidence – yeah, is is usually kind of tricks people. Mm-hmm. Like if you're really confident, yeah, you can you can generally get people to believe what you're saying. Yeah, as long and as you, you say it confidently. Yeah, that and the fact that like using terminology that not a lot of people know. Yeah, use big words. Sound yeah. confident. Exactly. Right? I've probably been accused of that a lot of times. Yeah, when you got the inline on the rotary girder, this is the best car you can get. <laughs> yeah. you're just talking nonsense. Yeah, you're just. <laughs> but from from my perspective, a really good personal trainer. One, like if if you if you say something like, hey. Are you a pretty good trainer? And they're just like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. That yeah. person probably doesn't know what they're no. doing. I tell every single one of my clients, like, I'm an educated idiot, man. Like, I know some things. I know quite a few things, but I don't know it all. There's there's so much information. Yeah. And the more that I know, the more I realize I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for a long time. I have a lot of education. And I'll read something, and I'm like, I'm an idiot. Like, yeah. This is this is crazy new stuff, and mm-hmm. you've got to be educating yourself every day, every single day. Yep. I saw a post from uh, Eric uh, Eric Cressy, great baseball coach or great uh, the strength coach. Guy. Yeah, the, the shoulder, shoulder guy. guy, great strength coach. Uh, and one of his one of his posts was about like programming and how it has developed over the years. And he said, if you look at a program that you developed a year ago and you don't go, what the hell was I thinking when I put this together, then you're not doing good yeah. and you're continuing education. You have not continued to develop yourself no. 
That's a really good point. And yeah, I actually, if I look at clients I trained two, three years ago, I'm like, yeah. oh man, I was a terrible trainer. I, I did <laughs> what that. was I doing? I had a, I have programs that I did, like made back in college when I was an assistant trade coach, and I opened up like a couple weeks ago. I looked at, I was like, I'm just so, I was so stupid when I was making oh those gosh. programs because I like, and I thought I knew everything. I thought I knew everything. You were super confident. Yeah. Right. I think when you when you sit down and you meet a trainer. I want to. I want to know what your assessment process is. Mm-hmm. Like, how are, are you, what kind of clinical assessment are you going to take this person through, mm-hmm. right? And anymore, you see some assessments where a trainer's like, "Okay, do a backflip." Oh, you can't do that. You're really out of shape. You yeah. probably use a trainer. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like what? Like, you these assessments in gyms have basically been designed to make you feel like crap about yourself. Yeah. Like that. You know the trainers that do like Bosu ball stance on a for an assessment. Yeah, and it's like you you put me on an unstable surface. I'm gonna wiggle a little I'm bit, but you can't around. be like I'm gonna wobble around. You can't, you can't say like, like, oh yeah, you have that. terrible balance because you wiggle around on an unstable surface. Like, right, that's a terrible assessment. Learn about that trainer's assessment process because mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying mine's great, but we we do a pretty thorough assessment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's rotation internally and externally of each shoulder individually, yeah. rotation of the spine left to right, rotation of each yeah. hip. Um, I mean, we do knee tests, we do spinal integrity tests, we do take your shoes off and let me watch you walk. Yeah. What are your feet doing? Let Mm -hmm. me watch you sit and see if you're back on the sits bones of the hip or you're slouched forward and do we need to do some postural Mm -hmm. work? And I think so many of these online just pretty it's are are out there making you, you you get these workouts and it's like, all right, squat three by 10. Like if you're squatting day one in the gym and you've not worked out before, like, that's bad trainer. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, don't use that person anymore. Because he basically just said, here's a saxophone, play it. You've yeah. never seen music before. Yeah. And, and we're going to do this now. Yeah. I, I think I think that's a really good uh, comparison that you bring that up to is like playing an instrument and the skill acquisition of using a barbell. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Like, I love the music, I guess, simile or yeah. metaphor because yeah. it's, it's true. Like, when you're in a gym and you're trying to learn how to to lift with a barbell, mm-hmm. that takes a massive amount of skill. Yeah. You're learning how to play an instrument. That barbell is the instrument, mm-hmm. right? And and you can't just go use it. No. Like learn how to read sheet music first. Exactly. And I I kind of told you the whole story about how I I play guitar and there was a point in time where I was playing it basically every day and I got I was never great, don't get me wrong, but uh I could play a couple songs, like I was good. I was good at it. And I took like a 7-month hiatus where I just didn't play it at all. Mm-hmm. And then once this shutdown happened, I picked it up again. I was like, you know what? Like, let's see what we can do now. It sounded, I mean, just like You were shit, messing up man. left and right. It sounded so bad. You're but I had taken seven months where I was not continually trying to maintain that that skill. Right. And I just, I lost it. It's not like riding a bike. No, and the same not. thing goes for a barbell. If I'm... I did the same exact thing. Whenever the shutdown happened, I couldn't squat nearly as much. And squat is probably my best movement. I think you've said it every single episode. Yeah, I, I have. <laughs> I know I have, actually. But uh, And then when we first got back and we were going into your garage to squat, I was like, holy shit. I forgot how to squat. I can't, I can't, I can't squat like this. that. Yeah, I'm like, bad. I've lost some of my ability here. Mm-hmm. And so like, let's look back at our, our first episode where we talked about hypertrophy. And we, we start saying, okay, let's learn how to contract the quadricep mm-hmm. both concentrically and eccentrically. Yeah. Now let's learn how to do that with the hamstring. Yep. Now let's learn how to do that, um, I don't know, in, in a two-legged stance or on a one-legged stance. Mm-hmm. Let's get away from a machine and move into a free weight environment. Yeah. Let's take your shoe off, 
make you stand over some kind of gap and make you use the arch a little bit better. Yep. Um, let's teach you spinal bracing. Mm-hmm. Like if you go into somebody who is just is just going in there, doesn't really work out all the time, start squatting, and you're like, oh, how's your bracing? Are you doing some good bracing? They'd probably look at you like, what are you talking about? What is about? bracing? Yeah. They, they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? I got in a conversation with somebody the other day about lunges. Like, what do you think about lunges? I'm like, I'm, I'm, can, can I ask you more questions first? I was like, mm-hmm. are you doing like a long stride or a short stride lunge? Yeah. What's the difference? Well, there's a massive difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're taking a shallow step, right, like stand up, take a little step, your hip probably didn't rotate much, your spine mm-hmm. didn't rotate much, and on this short stride lunge you can probably buffer heavier loads because you mm. don't have a spinal or hip rotation. Yeah. If you're going into a very long stride lunge, all of a sudden you're spinally rotated, mm-hmm. you're hip rotated, and if you don't have good bracing techniques, you're not going to be able to buffer nearly the load that you could yeah. in that short stride lunge. Mm-hmm. right? And so a lunge is not a lunge. A squat is not a squat. And, yeah. and we have all these programs, again, these sexualized trainers yeah. are just making everyone squat deadlift all the time. Mm-hmm. What did you do to get that person to the point where you felt safe putting them yeah. under a barbell? And I, I think the assessment process is really big for that as well because you're bringing up lunges. And uh, we've had a couple conversations about how shearing forces could develop in the knee depending on the individual as well. I don't, I don't program a lot of forward lunges. No. I, I never do yeah. a forward stop come back. Yeah. Like I never do that no. throwing momentum forward stopping and coming back. Because there is so much anterior direction of force on the mm-hmm. ACLs yeah. that we don't do that. Now, if you've got a sprinter was, who's putting yeah. that kind of force through the knee, mm-hmm. they probably need to be doing some of those forward lunges to yeah. start learning how to buffer some of those loads in the knee. Yeah. But if I don't have a sprinter, if I've got somebody who just wants to be in better shape, I'm probably not going to choose that exercise selection. Yeah. And again, look at the fitness industry we live in currently, and it's like, what's a good exercise for my butt? Oh, lunges? Okay, do them. Yeah. No. Like, can no. we... Like, there's no such thing as layman's terms. It's yeah. understanding how does the body function, mm-hmm. how does your body function separately from mine, yeah. what do we need to regress to get you good at before doing these skills, and and how do we progress? And mm-hmm. it, it starts with an assessment. If there's not a really good assessment process, there cannot be a masterful program. No. No. And that's, that's my biggest thing, is, mm-hmm. is learn that trainer's assessment process. Sit down and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, uh, we were talking earlier about how you would pick a trainer and personally I think it also you should treat it the same way you'd be picking a doctor. You're treat, you agree. are trusting these people to help make you healthier mm-hmm. in a way. And you're giving both of them trust with your body you at have, the same time. You get one body. Mm-hmm. What if yeah. your dad gave you a car when you were sixteen and we're like, this is the only one you get the rest of your life. Damn. <laughs> you gonna take pretty good care of it? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you don't absolutely. get another one. That's it. No. This has to last you 60 years mm-hmm. at least. Damn. You're going to take care of it. I still got that freaking <laughs> grand damn. That thing sucked. I had it for less than a year. Um, no, well, I had maybe you hot rotted it and tore it up a little bit because you knew you could get a new one. Yeah, probably. Right? You get yeah. one body. Mm-hmm. One body. Yep. And if you have a surgery, it's never going to be exactly the same again. No. And if you get hurt, it might not ever be exactly the same again. No. And then we walk into a facility and... We choose the guy with the abs, yep. and he starts telling you how to exercise. Yeah. At he, what point yeah. are we causing more damage than benefit? Because our business card is our body instead yeah. of our intellect. And I think there's there's a very, very – the system is broken in terms of trainers who were former athletes yeah. that because they were former athletes, everybody assumes the fact that, oh, they must know what they're talking about. I've met a I've, lot of bad strength coaches. Yeah, yeah. I mean – 
I have. I've there's been I've seen a handful of trainers that they can kind of boast the idea that they play Division One football, and they get clients because mm-hmm. of that. Like I, you, that does not say anything about your actual I'm intelligence really happy or knowledge. Your DNA, your genes gave you the ability to do that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, what can you do for somebody else? Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't personally try to put it too much on genetics as much. There's like, definitely yes, you that had factor. to work. You, yeah, there's definitely that factor. But you had to, yes, you had to work hard. But you had to go through a program that somebody else built. Right. That you probably just once you graduate, and you're like, oh, I'm going to take that. And, and I'm going to make everybody. my clients do it. I'm going to use it yeah, for everybody. No, absolutely not. You can't do that. No. The assessment process, in my mind, is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. So if Thomas Meyer, I, I love listening to Thomas Meyer yeah. and seeing his stuff. He says that a really, really good health professional is the most important job in the world. Because if you don't have your health, you can't be a politician. Yeah. If you don't have your health, you can't do economic work. Yeah. If you don't have your health, you can't do anything. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But right now, there's, there's just not a lot of really good wellness professionals there's a lot of really pretty people that don't know what they're doing and if you can get online and they've got all these pictures of their outfits and their bodies Mm -hmm. maybe they're not good at helping other people they're just really good at eating right and doing things for themselves i think it's important to to point out as well like we sit here and we talk kind of a, a little bit of shit about trainers in the industry right now but we should also probably tell everyone that we don't know everything. No, no, no. We yeah. were we were those people. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I was that terrible trainer who oh, probably dude. caused more damage than benefit in yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. And if I wouldn't read something every single day of my yeah. life, I probably wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. Yeah. I got done telling you about that whenever I first went to the gym we worked at together after I graduated. I had two degrees. I had my certification. It was like I I know everything. Right. I don't need to. I don't need You're to learn anything. You're super confident. Else. Yeah. And I, again, would stick with that terminology that kind of went over people's head. And they're like, yeah, this guy knows a lot. And now I would talk to you or Aurelio, and uh, which is another coworker yeah, no other at the part. time. And, uh, and I would sit there. I was just like, I don't know shit, man. Like, I'm telling <laughs> these people. These people look up to me. The more you and, know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. And so another, there's another good question for someone that you maybe want to start working with. What do you do for daily education? Yeah, I personally I do uh, I read a scholar article, a peer reviewed article every single day. Yeah, if I'm not reading, I'm listening one. to a podcast. Yeah, or I'm I'm reading an article, or I'm annotating, yeah. or I'm I mean I'm doing something to get better yeah. every single day. And that's that's something that I would challenge almost everybody to do. Like me personally, what I do is I pick one single subject. And then every single day that week, I read a different article about it. And then, because there is, there's a point in time where research can be biased. It can be absolutely 100%, 100%. biased. 100%. So you have to, if you read one research article and say, I learned everything about this one article, it obviously it has to be true because it's research. It's like, that's not entirely true either. And we have to realize that people don't live in a laboratory setting. No. Like you can't take, um, I don't know, say jump squatting with a trap bar increases power output. Yeah. Okay, don't have 70-year-old Dave with a bad knee doing jump squat with a trap bar because it increases power output. No. Like that doesn't apply to that individual. I don't care if the article proved it or not. Mm -hmm. Like we've got to be able to apply research. So not only do you have to be good at finding good research and dismissing bad research, but applying it to the right cohort of people. Yeah. I think understanding that there, if research ends in an absolute, if you do this, it will result in this. That's That's a bad bad research. That's bad research. Yeah. There is no black and white. No. 
It's this research would suggest that this outcome might happen if if you and do it's, this. it's very gray. There is no there is no like this will happen if you do this. Like you said, it is extremely gray. Yeah, and you have to be able to apply that to people correctly yeah. and to yourself correctly to avoid injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, someone walks into a facility and gives me rights to take their body that they only have one of yeah. and subject them to all these different loads. And make sure that I don't make them hurt and make them progress safely mm-hmm. to get better at living their life. That's yeah. that's engineering. I mean, yeah. that's a massive responsibility. That should be really terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yeah. it takes I mean, you you better do your research I, on who you're allowing to do this to your body. And I took uh I took this as an example. We had a a mutual can we use names probably with uh, clients, maybe maybe I not. We'll we'll leave the name. We'll leave the name for now. John Doe. Yeah, Jando. John Doe. Uh he was actually a client of yours. Okay. And then you passed him off to me. Okay. When your schedule got uh, extremely busy. I don't still know what you're talking about. You Sorry probably, I that too. Yeah, but uh <laughs> but uh yeah, definitely, especially if you're making them train with me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. An aortic aneurysm. Okay, you remember yeah, who I'm talking yeah, about now? Yeah, I remember you passed them off to me. I was like, I need to learn a lot of shit real quick. Yeah, or I'm gonna kill this man. Well, that's the he thing too is not one person we live we work with is perfect. No, they all have some kind of special need. They yeah. all have an issue. They all have an imbalance, mm-hmm. and so we can't just take these written programs. That apply to a perfect person yeah. and make people go do it. Yeah, I think whenever whenever Again, I showed assessment. up, assessment. Yeah, whenever I showed up at the gym that we started working at together, um, you did an assessment on me, and I had never had that happen before. Uh, I've worked with a lot of athletic trainers, not to stab at them or anything, but well, of I, course, had, right? I had a decent amount of problems throughout college with injuries that I had never had in high school. And I'd never had a training staff to really go to about those injuries as well. And I was dealing with them up until probably two years after I graduated. Well, that's the thing, too. You don't have a good assessment and you start loading. Yeah. You make a problem worse. Mm -hmm. You don't fix it just by loading. You fix it by loading correctly and progressively. Mm -hmm. But you can make problems way worse with Mm -hmm. fitness. Yeah. To say that in general fitness is good for you. You can't say that. No. You can't just say that lifting weights is good for you. No. Because you can, you can take a bad exercise selection to somebody who has an imbalance or an issue and make it so much worse. Yes. Yes. And, and we see it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that a lot. And one of my clients the other day said, I didn't realize that when you fix this imbalance, another imbalance might, might take place. Mm-hmm. Of course it will. Yeah. You're a structure that's ever-changing, yep. and more problems will present themselves, and we'll have to deal with those as we come to them. Mm-hmm. Right? You might fix a knee, and all of a sudden someone's shoulder starts, starts to ache. Now you've got to fix actually, that shoulder, and maybe yep. someone's back starts to hurt. Now you've got to work with that issue, and I don't think you're ever perfect. No, absolutely And not. so you've got to be able to work around these issues all the time. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like the fact that you bring up something that's like a knee issue, but eventually could develop into a shoulder. Sure. Because I've, I've, I've seen... Stuff like that before in an assessment. Uh, I had a client of mine who had just a super te- – uh, he, he ex- said that it was a super terrible knee. And it, I, to this day, couldn't tell you exactly what was going on. i just tell you that we didn't do a lot of lower body stuff with a lot, a lot of load that was barbell movements. Sure, you were safe. Because of that knee, his left glute was actually a little bit stronger than his right. Shifted his SI joint to the left, which will shift – how your spine is manipulated in the lumbar spine, which can shift how high your hips tilt. And where your shoulder blades end up. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was saying is like because of the hips, like then you got your lat involved. And if one lat's tired than the other one, shoulder might be sitting depressed more than the other. The other one will be slightly elevated. 
and had shoulder problems because of it. If you can't go through and make that assessment on somebody, why the hell would I say, oh, your knee's bad, but you can do overhead let's, press. Let's bench press. Yeah. yeah. That's not true That's at all. That's a bad assessment. Yeah. That's a bad assessment. Yeah. And, and we're getting into um, more Thomas Meyer concepts, yes. actually, we talked yes. about earlier. Um, so we talked about like skill acquisition. It takes a lot of skill. You have to be able to control mm-hmm. a lot of things before you pick that barbell up and yes. do it. And what you ha- what really, when we look at human movement, human functionality, and we talked a lot about it in our functional podcast, but when you look at isolation or using one muscle at a time mm-hmm. versus integration, using a lot of muscles and a lot of movements mm-hmm. and a lot of patterns at one time, our body does not work in isolation. No. That is not how we perform. I think it's very important to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think yeah. we, were, we were going to. This is just a good transition into yes. it. But Thomas Meyer was the guy who kind of discovered these myofascial lines and these muscular systems. And so what you just kind of mentioned was the left glute and the left low back and the right lat and the mm-hmm. right shoulder yes. are more connected in that diagonal mm-hmm. than just one side of the body. Mm-hmm. So if someone says, well, I've got a right shoulder issue, you have to consider there might be a left hip issue also. Yeah. And there's the that's the posterior oblique line. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like your baseball player, or you use a lot of yes. anterior oblique, oblique sling. sling stuff yep. with his oblique into his opposite side inside thigh mm-hmm. and how that helps him rotate into a pitch on the mound when he's pitching. Yep. And so when you we have to understand that just doing a machine, just doing yeah. a bicep curl, yeah. there's not a lot of benefit to that. Mm-hmm. Right? We have I've... to get into these we have to acquire the skill first to be able to do these compound movements mm-hmm. and then work within these systems because that's how you're going to go out into the world and you're going to perform. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's like the idea of driving a car as well. Like, whenever you're driving, you're not actively thinking about, okay, my oil pressure is exactly this. I have, well, yeah, you're thinking about how much gas is in the tank. But you don't think about how the engine is running right now and how it works to get you from point A to point B. You're pushing the gas. You're steering the wheel. If you're doing something like a deadlift or a bench press or a squat, something that takes a decent amount of skill, yeah, you're not necessarily thinking, all right, I'm squeezing my quads. I'm actively pulling into hip flexion with my hip flexors. I'm squeezing my glutes. It's like... You're doing those things, and you might be thinking about it a little bit, I guess, but you're not sitting there and actively thinking about what every muscle is doing while you, got, you have 400 you plus pounds. Thousands on your of back. parts. Yeah. And they're all exactly. working together. And you better have acquired some kind of skill working mm-hmm. all those parts mm-hmm. before going into such a, such a compound movement. Exactly. Right? Just like the, the instrument thing we talked about earlier yeah. playing, playing an instrument, learning an instrument, deadlifting is a skill. Squatting yes. is a skill. Power cleaning is a skill. Mm-hmm. Right? So when let's talk about what's actually happening in a deadlift. Like when you go into hip flexion, you have shortened the hip flexors. Mm-hmm. You have affected the diaphragm because it connects to the hip flexors. Yeah. So your breathing patterns become affected. Yep. Right? You've got muscles trying to protect the spine away from bending. Mm-hmm. You've got the feet. Are your feet planted right? Do you have a good foundation or you have flat feet? You have no arch support. Yeah. Are your knees tracking in the correct direction to activate the glutes properly are your lats the only thing that connects that bar touching your hand to your spine Mm -hmm. are those engaged properly and then you have to stand up yeah and that's your sheet music that's you have to exactly you need to know those things you need to learn those things and be good at each one of those things individually before putting your hand on the instrument and trying to play the barbell yeah i couldn't agree more yeah we need to stop agreeing so much though yeah we need to do some more arguing (laughs) yeah yeah 
But uh, skill acquisition is that's that's the one thing that I think people completely misunderstand. Like you can't just go into a gym and start doing all these super yeah. difficult compound things all of a sudden. Yeah. You have to work up to those things. One of my favorite things you see these trainers and and I think trainers can be pretty intimidating. Yeah, you get. I love older folks because mm-hmm. every time they walk in, they're like I want to start slow, and I'm like, you're absolutely yeah. Right. Like <laughs> you get the 18 year old. He walks in, he's like, I want to, let's go. I want to work really hard. And you're like, shit. And you got to be like, well, we can't. Like, let's see what you're capable of. And maybe we get into that stuff. Maybe we don't touch that stuff for six months. But yeah, you've got to acquire that skill. Think Mm -hmm. about that. You've got, let's go back to the instrument. We've been using it a lot, right? Yeah. Amazing musician can grab their instrument and go. Yeah. And sound amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, but it took a really long process oh, of blending the neurological understanding of what his body is supposed to do mm-hmm. to actually physically making his body do it correctly. Yeah. so many times that it's become automatic. And I think I think that also goes back to the client as well. It's like having somebody that understands that this is a process. It's going to take time. I think it's now that we're sticking with the instruments for a while. I like it. <laughs> uh, you know Stevie Ray Vaughan. Well, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, okay, <laughs> come on, just give me the shit, <laughs> come on. All right, so anybody who doesn't know, Stevie Ray Vaughan is very, very well known for, like, the blues, and unfortunately died in a helicopter crash, but that everybody was doing that in the 70s and the 80s, but anyway, besides the point, he was actually, he failed his music theory class. Wow, really? In high school. Yeah, he failed really? it. Really? That's interesting. understanding that it is a process, and it took time to learn, became one of the best musicians of all time, in my, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, but understanding that as a client, you're not going to master it right off the bat. You're going to want to, there's a lot of people that want to do it very, very quickly. It's get it out of the way. I want to know how time. to do it. It's, it's just, you got to swallow your ego. Oh, you got to yeah. swallow your pride. You can't be an ego lifter. You can't. You can't. And I'm watching, I, and I was telling you this earlier and it made your head big and I shouldn't say it again, but I'm going uh, to watching you do a power clean or watching you do a snatch or watching mm. you do an Olympic movement. It's poetic. Yeah. It's impressive. There's a lot of skill that went into that, mm-hmm. and you have been nonstop working those movements for two years. Yeah, and you've you've seen me go through the process of trying to get my Olympic lifting down. Uh, to catch a clean in a full front squat was one of the most terrifying things I tried to learn. I could not get the confidence to do that for a while. It took me about two months, but I knew that I wasn't going to pull a full clean into a full squat without taking steps. Exactly. Breaking it down into different meso cycles, kind of reverting back into last our episode, programming talk, yeah. our programming, but understanding that this is a process that takes time, and I'm not going to master it as soon as I want to. Yep, you got to go slow. Mm-hmm. You got to learn it. You got to take time. You got to yeah. find the right coach to to take you through those progressions. Yep, and focus on again functionality, health, and wellness. Yeah, not just what makes you yeah. look the prettiest. And I think as a coach, you have to be a very good at articulating that to your clients as well as saying like, hey. I'm. This is gonna take some time. We're this gonna is do this process. right. The You're trainer gonna work with me. We're yeah. gonna do this right. Yeah. The trainer that tells you he can make you lose uh, X amount of pounds in X amount of weeks exactly is full of shit. It's not possible. It's not possible. Now, is there are people that could tell you we can do this. This can happen, and if you do everything correctly, but you also have to take into consideration the, the client's integrity right. as well, life habits, and yeah. stress and sleep, yeah. and work. But and anybody who deals in absolutes says they know 
everything. Or I doubt there's a lot of people who would say they know everything, but say they know a lot and they have the utmost confidence in themselves, but they have a NASA certification. Like it's it's hard to trust people nowadays. You and gotta even be, you gotta be aware of that. Yeah. And even doctors at this point too, my baseball player they keep referring it back to he had a slightly dislocated shoulder for well over three years, and he had seen physical therapists multiple times for it. It took us within two weeks to understand that it was still slightly dislocated. After a test, I had him do a bottoms-up kettlebell press, okay. and he could not get past 90 degrees of shoulder flexion. And I was just sitting there. I was like, "This is how can you not do that? But he said it just felt like something was just catching, catching. That anatomically, he could not move past that position. Like, all right, interesting. So we did a um, joint distract uh, joint distraction where we essentially just threw a band over his shoulder and had him stand on the opposite side of it, and then slowly go through shoulder flexion with all, no load, just move through shoulder flexion. He heard an audible pop, and then he was able to go through full shoulder flexion. I was like, holy shit, this kid's shoulder was dislocated for three years give me the card to your physical therapist. Like I want to see, I want to talk to the man that you went through that with, but it works the same with doctors as it does with trainers. There's fantastic trainers. There's terrible trainers. There's great doctors. There's terrible doctors. There's good mechanics. There's bad mechanics. Same with every profession. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Every profession has that. And and like we've said the whole time, like do your research, like figure out who this person is, what's their track record, who have they worked with, Talk to some of the people that they've worked with. Mm-hmm. Get some of those testimonials and, and get some of the proof from the other people, not just themselves. Yeah, Because you can sit and brag about yourself all day. It doesn't mean anything. But if mm-hmm. other people are telling you how good you are, that probably weighs a little yeah. bit more. Um, yeah. And, and I love the physician thing because it's true. Like yeah. we, we were talking earlier too. Physicians don't brag about their procedures that really well. No. They don't brag about the diagnosis they made. Yep. They're not making Instagram accounts showing off their abilities as a heart surgeon. Mm-hmm. They they care more about the individual than they do their own ego. Yep. And who do we trust? Physicians. It's, yeah. With a lot of education. Exactly. Their business card is those letters behind their name. It mm-hmm. is their education. It is their ability. And it's their referrals from other patients. Because yeah. they're really good at what they do. And they don't have to brag about themselves. No. Because their intellect and their track record is their proof. They don't have to go on Instagram and show a picture of their surgery that went super well. Just right. like when trainers are doing that on Instagram all yeah. the time. Look Damn, how good I look. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you, I suppose. And it doesn't I, mean anything. Yeah. What is your, just to kind of start a little bit more of a conversation on this, uh, what is your perspective on certifications for trainers? The oh, more man. certification, I, I, it's very well assumed that the more certifications a trainer has, the better they are. What's your yeah, personal your personal opinion on that? Oh, oh man, there needs to be a way better certification process. Um, yeah. We need a better licensing process. Yeah. We need stricter regulations on who's manipulating people's bodies mm-hmm. because certifications are pretty much a joke. Yeah, like anybody can spend two hundred dollars and get certified if you study for a couple hours and mm-hmm. go take this test. Yeah. And I remember, um, I think the ACSM certification maybe. It's a little bit more clinical, but it's a lot of business practice, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of it's a lot of getting referrals, and it's a lot of reaching out to people, and it's a lot of managing a business, and it teaches nothing about physiology at all. And so um, I got into a conversation the other day about graduate school. Someone was like, "Would you go back to graduate school?" And I was like, "If I can get the letters behind my name that graduate school offered me Mm -hmm. without having to go through it, I would do that." Yeah. 
because I don't really use anything that I took from that. But it taught me how to go educate myself. It taught Mm -hmm. me how to learn. And if I wasn't learning every single day of my life, Mm -hmm. that was way more valuable. Like the next time you sit down with a patient or client, right, and have to circle the letter C to help them, good job. Like that's where your certification is. You have not actually developed this the idea of solving a problem. Knowing information and applying information is yes. not the same thing. Education versus application. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, personally, I went through that as well. Like when I graduated, obviously I had a certification and I was thinking about getting my CSCS because that's something I wanted behind my name. I wanted right. Zeb Love CSCS. <laughs> Your name still cracks me. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Love. I uh, know. Thanks. I got it for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. But, uh, but I, I thought about it and I'd actually signed up I still had my book from when we did my Essentials of Strength Conditioning in college, which was the same exact book that you study for the CSCS. And I paid for it. I was ready to take it. And then the shutdown happened and everything. But I, I, I really started thinking about it. I was like, does reading this book, paying this money, and then getting this certification from this company who needs to make money, is this what really makes me a better trainer? Or me staying on top of my own education and obviously I don't have to spend any money, but, (laughs) but having the integrity to know that I don't know everything and still continue my education. Right. Certifications are, it's a piece of paper. It's, it's, it's a hot topic because education is obviously a wonderful thing and I'm going to, I'm going to push people to pursue as much of it as they can. But really (laughs) what, what I got the most out of my education was the credentials that made people feel comfortable talking. Yes. And it didn't necessarily make me better as a clinician or better yeah. as a trainer, but certain people would come to me because of those things. Yeah. And so that that does make you more valuable. That does. Mm-hmm. And so there, it, that's a tough question. It is. I almost want like a panel of people. Like if you're going to get certified – I almost want to sit down with 10 people and have them ask me questions mm-hmm. about different situations or just assess what I really know yep. and say, okay, we, we certify you through our company that you mm-hmm. are good. We trust you working with people, not just some standardized test that doesn't mm-hmm. really cover a lot of application and doesn't teach no. you a lot about physiology. And so, yeah, more education is better. The type of education depends more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's tough, but yeah. Generally, yeah, I I think that more education is better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in our field it's there's so much more self education. Yeah. And experience. And mm-hmm. experience is, is really the most valuable thing. But I to even go off of that, I think there's a huge difference between fantastic experience and just shit experience. Oh, there's terrible experience. I've sure. I've seen one trainer in particular who's uh been training for, he said, like 15 plus years. This is a name we're not going to use. Yeah, it's again a name we're not going to use. I'm getting a huge fight about that. But anyway, 15 plus years, he's like, yeah, never never injured anybody. I'm perfect. Not possible. He said that. He said that. Not possible. I was like, you're a damn liar. You <laughs> yeah. are a damn liar. You tell Somebody me you never injured anybody. will get hurt in your care. Yeah. It's your fault. It is. Yeah. And you have to learn what just happened mm-hmm. and make sure that doesn't happen again. But yeah. it's going to happen. And I, I go back to, uh, like, building a house. Mm-hmm. Like, you could build houses for a long-ass time, but if every house you've ever built is it's just really crumbled as shit, you have <laughs> shit experience. You've got bad experience. Yeah. It doesn't make you – you've built a lot of houses. You're still bad at mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, understand that I don't think experience is 
the biggest thing. I think it's the quality of the experience. Sure. It's this is gonna sound cheesy, but it's it's having enough professional integrity to know when you can't do something mm-hmm. and tell somebody I'm not your best option yeah. for this. And I think the physician I go to um, I continued to go to her because I asked her a question one day. Mm-hmm. And she said, "You know what? I don't know. Let me find out." Yeah, and I was like, "I'm That's, not. I'm staying with you. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm staying with you." Absolutely. Because how many people go? Oh, they just answer every question perfectly. I'm mm-hmm. like, "There's no way you absolutely know all of these things." Like, be humble enough to not know something, mm-hmm. and say, "I'll do my due diligence." To find out. Yeah. And there's another decent assessment of getting to know somebody and trusting them to do what's best for you. Yep. And it's, it's all, it's, you're assessing somebody's assessment, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it comes down, and I'll say it again, masterful assessment, not only of the person you're working with, but of them to you on what program they're going to put you on and how they're going to yep. design that program. Uh, assessment of what kind of education do they have and do they find their education and daily education important. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you said it best when you're selecting a fitness professional, it's like selecting a physician. Yep. You're going to spend more time with this fitness professional probably than you do almost anybody else in your life. Oh, I I talk to my clients more than I, it sucks to say, I talk to my clients more than I talk to my mom. (laughs) Like I see them more than when I see my mother. And that's the thing. You see these people every single day and they develop this, this trust for you. Yeah. And if you're leading them down the wrong path based on money, that's your fault. They don't understand that they can't trust you right. at that point either. You're taking and, advantage of something. Exactly. And there's a lot of that. There's so much of that. Mm-hmm. People who don't know what they're doing, they trick you into thinking they know what they're doing, and you pay them, and they just keep collecting money. Yep. And they're they're again, they could be causing more damage than benefit. Yeah. And I and I had to say I was I was that trainer at one point in time. It's like I'm just going to use all this terminology that people don't know. I'm going to make them think that I know a lot more than what I actually do. I'll be able to maintain my clientele after that because they're going to probably stay with me because they could think that they trust me. But I was not obviously not the trainer then that I am now. And understanding that I'm, I don't do that anymore. Or I definitely try not to. Sure. Now, if I'm working with a couple of clients that maybe have – they work in the health industry. I hate to say industry because it sounds like business. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it yeah, is. Oh, well, yeah. But, uh, but uh, I would have conversations with her like I was talking to you. Like oh, just a, a very clinical, very everything like that. And one of my favorite things I pulled from one of my professors at college, who's the head strength coach, I said, "Keep it simple, stupid." <laughs> like you don't need to tell everybody the intricacy of the posterior oblique sling and like all these kinetic chains right. and like how like different energy systems work. It's like sometimes you just need to be able to apply it to somebody who doesn't understand, and they. Mo- will most likely appreciate that more. Right. Boil it down so they can understand what you're talking yes. about. I'm telling that to you specifically. Yeah, I'm <laughs> bad with that. <laughs> but you're right. I, I do... Most of my portfolio is physicians and physical therapists. Yeah. I work with a lot of physicians and a lot of and physical how crazy therapists. is that concept? That you train physicians. I've trained... I've trained a couple nurses. I've trained a doctor before. But understanding that they need help. They do. Yeah. They don't know everything, just like I don't know everything. Exactly. And and I think what attracts that type of person to you is your intellect, yes. is your ability to to speak their language mm-hmm. and to show that you really do know what you're talking about. And they are humble enough people to say that you know more than me about this circumstance mm-hmm. and I trust you to do this for me. Yes. Now if I'm sick, 
I'm going to go to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I can't prescribe a medication. Yeah. Just like yeah. a physician can't prescribe an exercise that's best for himself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of PTs spend so much time on certain protocols for certain things that general wellness isn't really their field. Yeah. And so, like, really, and I've, I've kind of said it before, a team approach to wellness is really, really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Having a good chiropractor, having a good physical therapist, yep. having a good trainer, having a good physician that all says, hey, we're going to work together collectively to do what's best for you because mm-hmm. one person doesn't know it all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's important to kind of understand the importance of that because like you said in, in the article that we were talking about, that's kind of taken a step back. Like people, for some godforsaken reason, just either don't care about their health or they don't take the proper steps to maintain their health. Uh, me, for example, <laughs> uh, obviously it's not because I think I know it all. I haven't seen a doctor in a while, but obviously I've been able to maintain my health for a decent amount of time. I probably shouldn't be saying that out loud now that COVID's out, but, <laughs> um, but I, I should, I should yeah. check up, see, cause my blood pressure could be terrible. My heart rate could be terrible. I don't know. I have a watch, but it's, it's <laughs> probably off most of the time. Uh, the idea of aesthetic. And how that is like the pinnacle of fitness is just BS. It's just it's destroying the, the, the wellness industry. What I what I revert back to almost every single time that somebody asks me they want to do like should I do bodybuilding, I was like, well, first of all, what's your goal? And if they say they want to get fit, they want to be healthy, I say absolutely not. You know what it takes to go into a show. It's it's a lot ridiculous. I mean, if you're prepping for a show, you're well, I. Again, I can't speak on bodybuilding all that much. I don't know. I, the gist of it is you have to do basically terrible things to your body to get your body fat percentage down as low as you possibly can before you step there's, on stage. There's a lot of them that pass out when they're done posing because oh, they're yeah. so malnourished yeah. and they're so dehydrated to achieve that aesthetic. Yeah. And they look like that for one hour mm-hmm. and then it's back to a little bit more normal. Yeah. Can you and imagine? It's, it's really unhealthy. Like, like Looking good and being healthy are not mm-hmm. the same thing. Like not eating carbs and being severely dehydrated for a week straight. And then you go up and you have to just flex as hard as you possibly can. How do you not pass Spike out? Spike your blood pressure through the roof. Oh. Hold isometric contractions. Yeah. You yeah, have. It's, that's, it's not. That's not healthy. And not only that, but you have no homeostatic weight. You're always gaining weight, dropping weight, mm-hmm. gaining weight, dropping weight. Which I mean... Is there's, it, there's a lot of research that suggests that yo-yoing like that is way less healthy for your heart than yeah. being overweight. Yeah. I, I did not know that, actually. Yo-yoing no. is, is wow. dangerous. But not having that weight, cutting carbs out of your diet. Carbs are... There's a reason whoever got it's the, the base of the food pyramid. Yes. Like, there's a reason the FDA is not a bunch of idiots that just put that on there to make people fat. Like, mm-hmm. There's a reason. Like We need glycogen. Yeah. We need carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. I eat a ton of carbohydrates. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Um, yeah, that's that's fifty percent of my diet. Easily. Yeah. Easily. I'm it's, not fat. It's performance and it's health yeah. and it's wellness. It's health and it's wellness. Yeah. It's not aesthetic. I'm definitely not I haven't had abs since college, but you know. You don't, you don't, need, you don't yeah. need to physically see is, them to be is healthy. That, yeah. The idea of aesthetic and how that actually translates into the second time I said this, into actual fitness is just dumb. It's dumb. Have you seen a gigantic muscular guy swing a golf club? It's terrible. Have you, uh, again, I'm going to have a lot of bodybuilders pissing me. Yeah, I wouldn't blame them. But powerlifters as well. Powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters. We we talked about it last week. Eddie Hall can't tie his own shoes. Yeah. I've seen uh, Max Lang. He is one of my favorite weightlifters from Germany. His technique is flawless. 
I watched him throw a football. It's like, oh my god, man! Pretty bad. Yeah, it was so bad. Well, it was terrible. You look at, we can go back to programming and say, okay, everything he's done mm-hmm. has been with a balanced load, up, down, forward, back. Yep. He probably has not trained a lot of rotation. Yeah. Now people in day to day life rotate constantly. Mm-hmm. So if I'm gonna, if someone comes to me and says, I just want to be healthier. One, you're speaking my language. Good. Mm-hmm. We're training so much rotation. Mm-hmm. We're training posterior slings. Yep. We're training anterior slings. Yeah. We're training rotational buffering from from rotator cuff and the obliques and the glutes. Mm-hmm. And we're training control. Yes. Because that's wellness. That's performance. You're, that's healthy. You're developing the system, not just a singular portion of it that can be developed <laughs> right. and look better. Right. Yeah. And that's what it is. Isolation movements is... A huge thing for bodybuilding. It, it is. Yeah. And, and it will accomplish what their goal is. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. They'll do compound lifts, squats, sure lifts, bench, and stuff like that. But when you just live on a machine. I don't know the last time I allowed a client to do a bicep curl. Oh, God. No. I don't know. And no. there's one guy who's going to listen to this. And he's going to be like, yeah, he never lets me do curls. I'm like, because I don't care how your arms look. No. I don't care how your arms look. Nope. Now, if you're... You're going to step off a curb in icy weather and not fall and break your hip. I care about that. Yeah. Yep. And I care about you performing and playing with your kids. And I care mm-hmm. about you feeling really good after a long day at work. Yep. And I care about your health and your wellness and your ability and your, your lack of injury. Yes. That's, that's health and wellness. And, mm-hmm. and so to sum it all up, we need to present ourselves as essential. Mm-hmm. We need to care about health and wellness that is essential yep. and get away from the non-essential aesthetic that yep. has been dominating and changing the way our society literally thinks about the fitness industry and the wellness industry. Mm-hmm. We were literally considered not essential during a health epidemic. I know. And that's, it's just insane. And but I, I, mean, it, I understand why. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a shame. It is a real shame that that has kind of taken the front seat of it fitness. Has. It's the reason that I can go apply for a loan and someone looks at me and says, oh, you're a personal trainer? Like, what else do you do? Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm I've... actually relatively good at what I do. Mm-hmm. I have a pretty decent income from personal training. It's yeah. not a hobby for me. No. Because, again, we care about the right things yeah. and when we try to push people to the right things. Yeah. And if you want to do something that I consider unhealthy for you, I'm probably not gonna promote that yeah like you didn't just enjoy working out get a certification say this is why i, I got into this I because i was an extremely overweight kid mm-hmm. and my family has a lot of health issues yeah. heart issues blood pressure issues diabetic issues um yeah. all sorts of stuff i got into this industry because it makes you healthier yeah i, I, I don't care what you look yeah. like and correct me if i'm wrong but you had a picture of yourself in your office when I, did. I was still there Is i that- had one of the trainers that i hired years ago i don't know where she found this picture because i was because I, I saw it i was like <laughs> i was a blimp everyone thinks yeah. it's, it's a lie i thought it was bullshit <laughs> everyone thinks I, it's like photoshopped it's yeah. not i was almost 300 pound kid Damn. and so i got into this for health, for wellness, for yeah. cardiovascular function, for metabolic disorders. I've got siblings that are diabetic, and mm-hmm. I've got family members who have heart issues, and and I don't want to see them struggle, and I don't want to see anybody else yeah. have to deal with those issues and have to struggle and have a poor quality of life. Yeah. That's what health and wellness and fitness are supposed to be about. Yeah, I think that, that could be like you – when you're picking a trainer, you need to interview them. I completely agree. And uh, I think like when back when I had a – client of mine who still works with me actually did that 
And they asked me, why are you doing what you do? And I obviously I didn't give them the whole, like, I just want to help people. Like, I want people to be healthy. I want to make people look good. Like, I, when I was in high school, I did not have any injuries, but I also had a very bad weightlifting program. It was not good. It did not set me up for the next level. And uh, I had, I was injury ridden in college. And I had a potential, I had a chance to play college football. Not a lot of people do that. And after all my injuries, and I was just like, I know it's because like my, my program wasn't good. My, my movement integrity. Yeah. My movement integrity was bad, but understanding that I wanted to help people make that transition and actually be able to play college football or college basketball, go to the next level in their sport and know that they got the correct help. That was the biggest reason I wanted to do it. I didn't want to, I don't want anybody else to get injured. No, it's now it's changes your life. Yeah. It's it really, it really, really does. And it makes you, it's, it's an investment at that point as well. Like I invested my time, my education, everything. I invested my life and being able to make sure that people do not get injured when they lift and they can perform at their peak. Right. That is my personal motto is, uh, decrease the chances of injury, then increase your performance. Would you say it's to have integrity? You mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're right. At the end of the day, you're right. As cheesy as it sounds, this is this is the podcast where we we talk about why we're doing what we're doing and mm-hmm. help you find somebody who's going to help you not just care about what you look mm-hmm. like. At the that, end of the day, you're you're going to look better. If yeah. you do it all right, you're going to look better. Yeah. And so that's a really awesome side effect. We got cut off there on the last part, so we're, yeah. we'll just sign off. We got going on a roll here, but you got the meatheads with technology. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> we, not don't, a bad we don't know how to use this stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, again to sum it up, Find a trainer who presents themselves as essential, as acts essential, takes the most important things into consideration, is doing this for the right reasons, and here we go, again cheesy, yeah. has integrity to know when they shouldn't be doing something. I hate you for that. I know. I was going to so say the good. same thing. Uh, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, it works. It works. It's true. Yeah. Like, in the idea of integrity has kind of died in the fitness industry. It's too bad. It's just a, it's a money grab. It is. Personal training has turned into a money grab. It's mm-hmm. too bad. Anyway, signing off till next week, and uh, we'll see you back then.